1: And you return that I might in
2: my And once again I believe Isaiah, who's the fellow who was inspired by God to uh, write that portion of scripture, was perplexed concerning those things the spirit had constrained him to write. Well the point, and I've gone a long way to make the point, The point simply is that this, these redeemed servants of God, did not wholly or fully understand God's entire scope of truth, as we know it.
0: Today, Pastor Mike will encourage you to take time and get into your Bible each and every day. Throughout the Bible, the heroes and well-known leaders of the Bible didn't actually have the Bible. In the New Testament, they had the Old Testament and a little bit of what had already been written in the New Testament. But we today have the counsel of the entire Bible. We have access to a massive collection of wisdom and history spanning thousands of years. We can meet with God through the Bible. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, as he begins his message, the three phases of salvation.
1: I remember what you said
2: So let's get right to it. Why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles. This is a part of our first uh, Studies in 1 Peter uh, series, and uh, we're going to just pick up where we left off last time, and that would be in chapter 1 and verses 10 through 12, so that will serve as our text. So let's go ahead and read those verses, and then we'll open up in a word of prayer and ask God's blessing on the remainder of our time together this evening as we study the Word. So 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 10 through 12. Now of this salvation. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this great salvation of ours, which is made possible through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, all that he had done for us uh, to make it possible. So, of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, who was in them, was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us. In other words, we were the beneficiaries of their writings. They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Now, Obviously, the theme of our text here is found in the third word, notice in verse 10, that is salvation. And particularly, we want to talk about the three phases of salvation. What are those three phases? Well, first of all, it's prophecies, notice there in verse 10, Peter uh, alludes to that there. And then it's price, verse 11, and then finally, it's provisions there in verse 12. So we're going to take them in their order. We'll look at all three of these phases, taking them in the order that I had just uh, mentioned. So let me begin by breaking them down for you. The first of all, uh, the first one is it's prophecies. I want to begin by sharing a cross-reference with you from 2 Peter, so the second epistle that Peter uh, wrote to the churches, and it's found in chapter 1 and verse 21. So quickly turn there with me. And there, uh, Peter reminds us, for prophecy never never came by the will of man, so it's not something that man can just you know conjure up, but rather, holy men of God, selected by God, God working through them, spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, though these men were divinely impelled to record God's communication that had come to them, it is highly improbable that they fully understood what, all that was given them, and all that they had wrote down. Notice Peter tells us there in verses uh, 10 and 11 that they inquired and searched diligently. In other words, they sought to understand the revelations that they had received of God. So though faithful in preserving God's truth, at times they were confused as to its meaning. Now, like, for example, let me give you a, uh, a prophecy. In fact, it's the first prophecy concerning Jesus and all of the Bible, back in uh, Genesis chapter 3 in verse 15. So it's recorded there for us if you want to turn, but I'll uh, read it for you. So Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. And I will put enmity between you, and now he's, he is addressing the devil who had just tempted Adam and Eve to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, So God is addressing the devil. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. So the suggestion here is that through her seed that the devil would ultimately be defeated. And of course, that's a reference to Jesus Christ. So this is the first prophecy concerning our Lord and all of the Bible. And he shall bruise your head. So he will strike the final blow solidly uh, once and for all, defeating Satan there at the cross, but you shall bruise his heel. I'm referring to, yes, he uh, he would have the opportunity to be able to afflict uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus dying on the cross. But notice, uh, the greater blow would be struck by Jesus, who would bruise uh, his uh, head. Okay, so that's the first prophecy that's recorded for us in the Bible concerning Jesus. So, we have then, first of all, a series of prophecies concerning our Lord redemptive years before the cross, before Jesus was ever nailed to the cross. God made it known that he would provide a eternal victory over the devil and sin. But well, let me ask you a question. Do you think the one who recorded these words, and most attribute the first five books of the Bible, known as the Pentateuch, to... Uh, Moses. Do you think that Moses actually uh, knew or grasped the meaning of that prophecy? I don't think so. Let me give you another example of this. This one's from the book of Lamentations, chapter 1, in verse 12. Let me read it for you. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Now, this is a prophecy concerning Christ's death on the cross. Behold and see, if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which has been brought on me, which the Lord, or God the Father, has inflicted in the day of his fierce uh, anger. Okay, so Jeremiah, who is the writer of the book of Lamentations, gives us another prophetic picture of the cross. And here he draws our attention to the indifference of millions to the sufferings of Christ on the cross for our sins, giving no care or thought to his gracious provision of salvation. And I can hear God crying out uh, in this verse of Scripture. But anyway, I'm sure Jeremiah didn't understand, even while he wrote it, he was inspired by the Spirit to do so, I'm sure that Jeremiah didn't understand the full implication of his announcement. So just another example of this. Isaiah chapter 53 Uh, One of the more familiar verses of scripture, I'm sure for uh, many of you, depicting the sufferings of Christ. In Isaiah chapter 53, if you turn there with me, verses 4 through uh, 7. Surely he was born, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So what we have here is a minute, detailed account of Jesus' crucifixion and its purpose. And once again, I believe Isaiah, who is the fellow who was inspired by God to uh, write that portion of Scripture, was perplexed concerning those things the Spirit had constrained him to write. Well, the point, and I've gone a long way to make the point, the point simply is that this, these redeemed servants of God, did not wholly or fully understand God's entire scope of truth, as we know it, fully declared in the Bible and confirmed by Jesus himself. Like, for example, in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 13, In verse 17, Jesus put it this way. Many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you have seen and did not see it, and to hear what you have heard and they did not hear it. So I want you to think about that. We are a privileged group of characters possessing God's revelations in their entirety with the possibility of comprehending and understanding them. But the Old Testament saints, they only had the capacity to be able to look forward to the cross by faith. But we, through the Holy Spirit, we can discover God's complete program for man. Now, it's a blessing, but it also carries along with it a tremendous responsibility. Because we are told, like for example in Luke's Gospel in chapter 12, Jesus himself said, with a greater knowledge of truth, often comes greater responsibility to obey it. But here's the problem. Regrettably, privilege often leads to neglect and procrastination. I mean, there are millions of people who have heard the gospel, are familiar with God's plan of salvation, and yet they do nothing about it. There are people who attend church week in and week out who have only a head knowledge of the gospel. Uh, But never experienced it in their hearts. To those people, Jesus would say, remember Lot's wife. Luke's gospel in chapter 17 and verse 32. Though almost saved, that is Lot's wife, she was eternally lost. Having heard the word, even starting to obey the word, what happened? She turned back out of Sodom and she perished. She serves as a warning to all who are undecided, lest the same judgment falls upon them. Now, someone may be thinking, well, you know, I I know the truths of God, I know that Jesus is the way, the only way, and and I know my salvation and my eternal destiny is only based upon the decision that I make for Jesus Christ. I know that, but I'm having such a good time, you know, doing the things that I want to do with my life. And listen, listen, You know, at the end of my life, maybe when I'm on my deathbed, I'll make that cry, I'll cry out to God, I'll make that decision for Jesus. Well, first of all, you don't know if you're going to have that opportunity that is a deathbed conversion experience. And also, I want you to think about this. Think about all of the time. If you don't make that decision for Christ today or soon, think about all of the years that are wasted. You know, how quickly life goes by. And just you could have been the recipient of all of God's blessings over those many years that you procrastinated. And that's why the Bible tells us today is the acceptable day of our salvation. Because you know what? Tomorrow is unsure. So anyway, uh, that's the first phase of our salvation that is its prophecies. Well, let's move on. The second uh, phase of salvation is the price of our great salvation. And that seems to be suggested there in verse 11. Notice Peter mentions here the sufferings of uh, Christ. In other words, uh, that was the price that had to be paid that we might experience this great salvation. And so Peter refers to the sufferings of Christ. You know, there was a time when Peter uh, really didn't understand the sufferings of Christ. For example, as a cross-reference for this, If you quickly turn with me to Matthew's Gospel in chapter 16. And Jesus at this time is preparing his disciples for his leaving them. And so he speaks about this divine appointment that he has in Jerusalem to be crucified. And so he's sharing it with his disciples. And in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 16, verses 21 through 23, we are told from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things, from the elders and the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and be raised on the third day. Then Peter, notice the way that he responded, took him aside, that is Jesus, and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, because what Peter had suggested here was actually uh, motivated by the devil, Get behind me, Satan, you are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but rather the things of men. But anyway, that was then concerning Peter, and this is now. And it is obvious Peter had obtained the full understanding and the significance of Christ's death in his heart. Now, how important is this? I want you to think about that. I mean, his atoning work is man's only hope. And without it, there cannot be any salvation. Now, despite God's full revelation, there still remains today a gross misunderstanding of the true meaning of the uh, cross. For some, it's just a symbol of the Christian faith, a charm, uh, a medal that we wear around our neck or a cross or a bumper sticker that we put on the uh, bumper of our uh, vehicles. Uh, Some approach it like some historical event that had taken place in history, or the object of religious sentiment. But the Bible teaches us that the cross represents two specific things, the first of which, of course, is salvation, and then the second is submission. You see, at Calvary, the price for sin was paid forever. When Jesus hung on that cross in the last few moments of his life, before he dismissed his spirit, he cried out, It is finished. And literally, that phrase, it is finished, can be translated from the original Greek language, pay or payment received. You see, the sin debt of mankind was wiped out. Eternal payment was made so that all who believe upon Jesus might be saved. Acts chapter 4 in verse 12 there we are told nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be uh, saved okay but the cross means more than salvation and matthew's gospel in chapter 16 in verse uh, 24 so salvation through the person of Jesus Christ but then also Jesus himself said concerning the the cross, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. So therefore, the cross also represents complete submission to God. You see, it's not enough to just say, I believe, but submission must be coupled together with belief, our faith in Christ. Listen, I think that there are too many who have received the Christ of the cross, but not the cross of Christ. In the book of Galatians, here's a cross reference for you. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. Paul said there, God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. And so the price of our great salvation. Now, let's go on. Let's go back to our text. Let's read verse 12 uh, once again. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire uh, to look into. Okay, now, what are those magnificent things that were proclaimed by the preachers of Christ's blessed gospel. Well, we're talking about now the provisions God has made possible through Christ's sacrifice for all who come to him for salvation. And that brings us to our third point, the third phase of our salvation, and that is its provisions. And there are many. There are seven of them. I came up with a list of seven. You could probably even add to that. But I think that these are the top... Uh, seven. So if you're taking those, please write these down, and then sometime during the week, go back, ponder them, meditate upon them. I'm going to give you some cross-references for each one of them, and I just hope and trust that it will cause you to become more appreciative of what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus uh, Christ. So the first provision that I want you to consider is eternal life for all. You see, no one is excluded. I want you. To, I want to emphasize, for All. No one is excluded. That is, anyone who is willing to receive Him will be saved. Let me give you a cross reference now. The Book of Hebrews, chapter two, in verse nine. There, the writer declares, "But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, and is becoming a, a man, for the for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor." that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. And so the first provision, eternal life for all. No one is excluded. Anyone who is willing to receive him will be saved. The second provision is simply having fellowship with God, which was made possible also by Jesus. Let me give you a cross-reference. Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 13. But now in Christ, you who were once were afar off, that was our uh, state prior to our making a decision for Christ, our B.C. days, before Christ days, is the way that I always refer to it, but have been brought near, how? By the blood of Jesus Christ. So therefore, now we have fellowship with God. So that's the second provision of our salvation. Thirdly, we have access to God in prayer through our mediator. In 1 Timothy, in chapter 2, in verses 5 and 6. There we are told that we have access to God before our great high priest, our mediator, who is Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and uh, 6. Fourthly, the fourth provision, that is, the righteous demands of the law are forever satisfied, delivering the believer from its bondage. Like, for example, in the book of Colossians, here's a cross-reference for you, in chapter 2, in verse Uh, 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, referring to the Old Testament law, which we were unable to keep, which was contrary to us and he has taken it out of the way, that is Jesus, having nailed it to the cross. And so therefore the righteous demands of the law were forever satisfied delivering the believer from its bondage. Fifthly, Through this great salvation we have provision for the forgiveness for our sins, which is assured, and that is we'll never stand in judgment before God. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. In my Father's
1: house, there's a place for me in my Father's house
0: Where I long to be, oh, my heart We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Peter. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can also listen online by going to the Resources tab. Otherwise, you can find them on One Place and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Venizio. You can also watch our fully recorded services on Vimeo. Just follow the link at our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. If you're ever in or near the Midtown Manhattan area and are looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here, and you can reserve your seat at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. You are welcome to join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, please don't hesitate to give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. Or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram by following the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today and we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House.
1: Where I love to be, oh my heart, not be troubled.